everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dig In, a podcast from Food Service Director Magazine. I'm Kelsey Nash, Editor-in-Chief of Food Service Director, and today we've got a special edition of the podcast for you. Joining me today is Benita Gingerella, Editor for Food Service Director and our resident K-12 expert. Today's a little bit of a different episode because we are recording the podcast from our homes in Chicago, where things have more or less shut down in an effort to contain the spread of coronavirus uh, schools are closed, restaurants and bars are closed, a lot of our non-essential businesses have decided to close in an abundance of caution as well, so it's pretty quiet here. Um, but as all of you know, this is having a major impact on so many areas of food service and uh, in a large part in the K-12 through segment. So we wanted to spend some time today kind of diving into the implications of this for school food service and seeing what different schools are doing around the country to make sure that their students stay fed while schools are closed. Uh, so, Benita, we've seen, you know, a number of states shutting down their school systems for the coming weeks. Uh, Kansas's governor just announced all their schools will be closed for the rest of the school year. I think California's governor has been quoted saying that he predicts kind of the same thing will happen there as well. So what does this mean for school food service in this time? Yeah, well, I think this means that this is kind of becoming the new normal um, in that for the time being, uh, a bunch of schools now are going to have to switch over to kind of this grab-and-go format uh, to make sure that students are still getting the nutrition that they need. Um, and so over these past couple of days, I've um, just kind of been doing some research in line and been uh, receiving emails from food service directors all over the country and just they're talking about how they're working to make that happen because um, a lot of these announcements too have just been uh, very very quick uh, one day you're operating as normal and the next day you find out you know that that your whole district is shut down um, and so right now it's kind of just it seems like a lot of operators are really relying on each other um, I know online on Facebook uh, the K-12 groups have been very very active and people are kind of just sharing ideas and there's kind of this sense of uh, community, which is wonderful to see. Um, and everyone's just kind of supporting each other. Yeah, definitely. From the operators you've talked to, what's, you know, sort of their state of mind at this time? Are they mostly just like in go mode or? Have they... Yeah, I think they're mostly just in go mode. Um, from what I've heard, I just got a really nice email um, from Walter, uh, who, Walter Campbell, who's the FSD at uh, Charleston County School District, and he just says how much he is relying on his, his team um, and how they're kind of really in like an all-in-this-together type of sense. Um, and so that was his big thing. He's like, he just wants to say thank you to his team for, you know, really putting themselves out there and, and making this happen and on such short notice. And so that's kind of also what I've been seeing, too, um, around again, like the Facebook groups and stuff like that. Everyone is it's just kind of like all hands on deck, you know, let's figure out how we can do this. Yeah, definitely. I think that's been part of it too. Like you said, it's all changing so fast and there's so much to keep up with and, you know, it's been a challenge for everyone, I think. Um, yeah. How are some of the operators that you've talked to, how are they making sure that they are able to reach as many kids as possible during this time? I know there are a lot of kids across the country that really rely on those school meals um, to stay fed throughout the day? And how are they making sure that the kids who need food are, are getting it? Uh, yeah, so I've noticed a lot of schools have been um, using their bus drivers, actually. Um, oh, wow. So when you think about it, when the bus drivers, too, they also then can 
you know, get paid and whatnot. Um, but they also know where all these kids are located because they're driving these routes every single day. Um, and so for um, if kids cannot come to the meal sites and get their meal to go physically, they are actually now um, having these bus drivers, you know, do their normal routes and hand out these grab and go meals uh, to kids. Um, I was also on the phone with some folks um, from Sodexo yesterday, and they were telling me that in some of their schools, they've also reached out uh, to the local food pantries, and they have provided them with a list of their meal sites. So um, if a family comes to the food pantry looking for meals, they can uh, direct them to these meal sites uh, to make sure and just kind of let them know, honestly, that they exist and that uh, their kids can get a free meal. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, with serving food from these meal sites and these different kind of off-site locations, they're probably not able to serve the types of things that they normally would. I'm sure a lot more kind of grab-and-go, less hot food. Um, what are some of the meals that they've told you they're providing? Yeah, so Charleston County Schools says that they're Lunchables. They do like their own version of like, you know, like the pizza Lunchables. Um, and those are just a hit with students in general, even when all things are, are normal and they're in school. Um, and so that's what they said for right now um, has been a hit and it's, you know, it's easy, it's made for grab and go. Um, and so that for them has been uh, working out um, really well. Um, and it seems like that's kind of what schools are doing right now is like whatever grab and go items they normally serve, that's what's kind of being served right now. And then you know, if this continues to go on for weeks and stuff, I think then um, they'll probably have a little bit more time to figure out, okay, what are some other grab-and-go options that we can provide? You mentioned earlier um, them kind of working with food pantries. Are there any other community partners that they are working with to make sure that this, to make sure that students are able to get the food that they need? Yeah, well, a lot with food pantries. So Houston um, Independent School District actually has also partnered um, with the Houston Food Bank. Um, and so they've actually set up, that's how, what they're doing um, to make sure people are, are getting fed. And I think I have to go back and look really quickly, but I, they tweeted earlier that I think they provided, oh man, I think it's over like 2 million yeah, 2 million pounds of food to over 5,000 households already, um, which is wonderful. And that's all, you know, volunteer-based um, and stuff. And then um, nearby at um, Austin Independent School District, um, this is obviously very unique to them, but they actually have their own, um, like, educational nonprofit. Um, and so they are working right now to, um, you know, raise funds. Um, to help out. Uh, they're currently in spring break right now, but when they re return um, to do uh, remote learning, um, they're trying to use funds to kind of expand um, their, their meal service and hopefully provide meals to parents uh, as well as students and also provide uh, food to, for the weekend, so like backpack meals. Gotcha. Um, I know they're probably really focused kind of on the immediate term here, but have any of the operators you've talked to voice any long-term concerns kind of about maybe what might happen with their staffs if these closures continue or any other concerns that they have? Yeah, well, so the School Nutrition Association actually um, released the results of a survey they conducted a couple days ago um, just about kind of how schools are, are dealing with all of this. And one of the top concerns other than the worry that some students will go hungry um, is about just kind of the physical and mental well-being of their staff. 
Um, a lot of them were saying, well, hey, you know, this is everyone is being required to stay home and not have many social interactions, then, you know, kind of what does that that mean for us? Because we have to be out here, you know, uh, providing meals and, you know, I'm wearing contact with each other and with students who could be carriers and whatnot. And so I think that is, is a real concern. And unfortunately, right now, I don't think really a solution has has been found. Um, so again, it, a big I guess a big thanks again goes out to all these school nutrition teams who are really working hard, you know, even with all the, the risks involved um, to make sure that their students are, are being, you know, taken care of during this time. Yeah, absolutely. So, such an asset to our communities right there. Um, yeah. What sort of action have we seen from the USDA on this front? I know that they have offered some more flexibilities in terms of uh, meal service, but what have they been doing to kind of help operations stay afloat and keep going? Yeah, so they right now have uh, providing waivers to states. They have to apply individually for these waivers. But um, if you're part of like the summer um, school food service program and whatnot, um, you normally under um, normal regulations, you can't provide grab and go meals. Um, the meals have to be like be consumed on site. And so that's what all these states, that's what they're applying for is, is this waiver to um, allow them to offer grab and go meals. And pretty much the USDA has said, you know, we're going to work through these waivers as quickly as we can. Um, if you submit one, kind of consider like, like we're not going to try and hold you up. Like it will, um, it will go through um, as, and we're going to try and do that as, and process those as quickly as possible. Um, and so the USDA also has partnered um, with a couple of vendors. Uh, they just announced this uh, yesterday, but they've also partnered with a couple of vendors um, where, and they're trying to also deliver kind of like these meal packs um, to students who are in rural areas who may, you know, their school may not be offering feeding sites, um, but their school is still closed. Um, and so these meal packs, they're hoping will also, you know, kind of help those students who are are slipping through the cracks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other sort of creative solutions or anything else that you are hearing about out there? Um, so I think that's it right now from what I, I can see. Um, but I'm sure, you know, news changes pretty much every single day. So I, I'm sure as this kind of, again, becomes the new normal, um, operators are going to get creative. I guess one thing I did see last night is uh, the Michigan uh, Department of Education. I think they do this uh, just even in the summer um, when everything is, is normal, but they uh, started a interactive map online. So uh, parents and kids can uh, have access to that and they can see where their closest feeding site is. And it also provides like directions on how to get there uh, as well as their hours of operation. Um, and so I think, again, in the coming weeks, we'll have even more, I guess, creativity and solutions um, from FSDs. Well, thank you so much, Benita, for kind of shedding some light on this current situation. I know, as you said, things are kind of changing every minute, and there's a lot for us all to wrap our heads around. So this is really helpful. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.